Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Welcome in to the Husker Extra podcast. I'm Chris. There's Sipple. There's Parker. We had a false start a minute ago because someone just just ripped off a curse word when we originally started. Wow. This story. We're not. Yeah. Talk get, take it. Take a guess on who that would be. We're not oh, going to talk about on. who it was. Um, but you can probably tell who's already getting a little defensive about it. So we'll just leave it at that. And that's fine. You know what? We this, these things happen. These things happen when you record these things. It's uh 12 40 PM on Thursday, April 29th, 2021 in the year of our Lord. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon. The sun is shining. The breeze is ruffling, rustling the leaves. The birds are singing. Spring game is a couple days away, Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m., Memorial Stadium. Us and about 35, 40,000 of our closest friends in the stadium to check it out. We'll have a lot of football talk today. We'll touch on the baseball team, too, a uh, big weekend series against Rutgers. So let's get right into it. Uh, we talked. We heard from Scott Frost yesterday, and he, he talked about the, the format for the spring game. Uh, they're basically going to – they're what they call thud uh, in the first half, which means – no, no tackling. They, you get touched and you're down essentially. And then they'll let the younger guys kind of go full contact second half. And, and that's because in part that, because Nebraska had a pretty physical spring practice. Uh, I believe uh, coach Frost said the number was 43 guys at one point or another were on the, were on the yeah. injured list with various, various maladies. And so they're going to take it a little easy Saturday and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to you guys. What are your thoughts on that format? And, and what do you think that allows us to maybe see or not see on Saturday? Format makes sense in that I think if you turned it around and said we're going to let the young guy we're going to have the young guys hit play live for the first half and then the veterans thud up in the second you might get some people filing for the exits this way it, it keeps I think it I think it's sort of like the prelims or the first half or kind of the undercard um, even though it's the first unit guys they're going to be thudding up now the you know, it, they're, they're, when they go live after halftime, I think that'll be really interesting to watch. And there'll be some, a lot, in fact, a lot of young guys that people are interested in playing in that. Um, and I think it will keep us, I think it'll keep people engaged. It sounded, it sounded when Frost was talking about it yesterday, like they, I mean, he said that they went around and around on the format and it, I think that this was almost like a, not a compromise necessarily, but this was a way to get some of the veterans on the field at all. I mean, when he, you know, he, in a couple of the follow-ups, he didn't say explicitly that most of the veterans just weren't going to play and in, in however they had it set up before the final format they landed on. But he did say, I think they're going to play. Some of the veterans are going to play. Adrian will play in the first half now that we're going thud in the first half rather than going live. So I think this was like a, like if you're Adrian Martinez or if you're Cam Taylor Britt, you might, I mean, to me, like, I think the, I think those guys are probably champing at the bit to get out there and play a little bit with, with, you know, 35 or 40,000 people in the stands yeah. for so long, like in a normal year, I don't know if um, the, those guys would even play uh, in a spring yeah. game like this on Saturday. But this yeah. almost feels like a compromise to let some of those guys get out, run around, throw the ball around a little bit, you know, catch a couple passes or whatever, um, just because of all of the circumstances involved. So, yeah, it's going to be, a, you know, it's not going to be live in the first half, but I do think there's a bunch of guys who will be very interesting to watch um, after halftime. 
Yeah, it's uh, um, go ahead, Bass. No, I was just I was basically just going to agree with Parker. I, I it's I think compromise is the right word in that if you're gonna if you're gonna have 30,000, 40,000, whatever the final number ends up being in the stands, then you got to give him a carrot, right? Like you got to let Adrian go out there and throw it around a little bit. And you got to let, you got to let Samari Touré and, and Omar Manning run some routes and catch some deep balls and whatnot. You got, you got to give him a little something uh, for, for letting him in. So I get that. And, and like Parker said, if you're going to go full contact, those guys probably aren't playing. Uh, and especially, you know, like the running back situation too, if they're full contact, none of those guys are, are probably getting on the field. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think this is a good compromise. It's a way for what you hope is that Adrian goes out there and, and looks really good uh, in, in the thud portion of it and isn't, you know, airmailing throws and things like that. So, you, you know, yeah. You know what I was thinking about when you were talking, think about the second half in the context of the young running backs now, we're going to see a lot of meaningful action just in that regard because we haven't seen Sevion Morrison, you know. We haven't seen Gabe Irvin. You know, Sevion Morrison's a, a redshirt freshman or a second-year freshman. Um, Gabe Irvin just arrived in January. We haven't seen, like, that that walk-on – was it Jacquez Yant? Um, Jacquez Jant. Yeah, we haven't seen – I mean, we haven't seen a lot of these guys much yeah. at all, yeah. and we're going to see them against, running against the defense, which well, I think – Well, you're seeing them, you're seeing them play against – in front of 30,000, too, in front of 40,000. Like, right. None of those guys have done that, so that's part of it, too. Yeah. So that's uh, – now there's some guys that aren't going to play that I wish we, we were going to see, like, you know, well, just – we might as well address it now. Like Jojo Doman won't play. Uh, ben Stilley won't play. Will Honus is, uh, looks like he's hurt his knee. He's not going to play. Javin Wright's not going to play. He's just dinged up. Um, so there's some guys that people would want to see that aren't. Parker, who else are we, who else are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, offensively, obviously the, probably the biggest single piece of news this week, and we'll see with Will Honus, you know, we'll, get more information on that from, from Scott Frost at some point about how serious that is. But, but, you know, Thomas Fedoni's out now um, with a knee injury. Um, he's having it's Thursday today. He's having surgery today. out probably at least until mid season. And then on offense, we know that Marquis Stepp and Ramir Johnson, the, the running backs are, um, are out or have missed the, the whole um, spring. Alante Brown and Marquis Stepp are expected to be back and, uh, you know, at some point this summer, but so offensively, guys, you won't see um, Step and, and Ramir Johnson, uh, Thomas Fedoni, obviously, uh, and Alante Brown as sort of a starting point for guys that will be out. And then and it's Thursday, like Baz said, 12.47 p.m. We haven't seen spring game rosters yet, but the, the sort of that's the picture, the injury picture that we're aware of at this point. And then we'll see, you know, how, how exactly they split guys up and, and how many guys are out when those rosters come out, um, either later today or tomorrow. Um, let's see what else. Well, the, the, I kind of, one of the, oh, I'd say developments of spring has been the receiver core looks pretty good. Now there's some people that have told me since don't get, you know, don't go overboard with that discussion. Um, but they, I, they look pretty good to me. It's different. It's a different, they look much different in that they're actually over six foot. Um, they, they have small, <laughs> 
<laughs> Samari Ture starting in the slot at 6'3". Xavier Betts looks like he's had a pretty good spring, 6'2 or 6'3". Everybody says 6'2". He looks taller than that to me. Omar Manning, 6'4". He's been practicing. Um, Oliver how, Martin. how tall is that Oliver Martin? Is he 6'2"? 6'1". 6'1". I think it's a pretty good group. Frost has said he likes that receiver group um, in terms of depth and talent more than he's liked anyone since he's been here. I can see why, but they got to go prove themselves. That's probably the big thing. You know, with, with, uh, with Ture, if with Samari Ture, I'm guessing probably only getting some run in the first half and Elante Brown out. If you are looking for a uh, spring game MVP candidate, I would okay. think that Will Nixon's a guy who's going to get a ton okay. of run. Um, you know, maybe with the top group, some in the first half, but I would think he'd play a lot in the second half, just given – Hey, the position he plays and, and all that. So, hey, Baz and Parker. Yeah. This is Baz, hey. no, Baz has been around here a long time. The, you know how it always there's some kind of guy that emerges in the in the spring game that big star that's not a big name. I'll give you one. I'll give you one, Parker, right at that position. Baron Miles Jr. Yeah, yep. About yep. Baron Miles getting candidate. about eleven. Yeah, eleven catches for one seventy. Yep. Jeez. 11 for 170. Mark it down right now. I'm going to tweet it. Here's I'm going to take the under on both of those. Um, <laughs> well, we joke, but they're, I know. Over. But, Pump it yeah. up. Over. We, Over. we joke, but, like, this is going to be set up for those guys to succeed, right? Like, they're not going to go out there and, and you know, expect, like, you know, Cam Taylor Britt to lock somebody down for a half. Like, they're going to – it's going to be – Bunch of zero blitzes. Bunch of zero blitzes. It's basically going to look like a shell drill, seven on seven a lot of times, you know, especially with the thud part of it. Like, Adrian's going to have all day to throw. Those guys are going to have all day to run. So they're not going to go out there with the intent of making that offense look bad and making that receiver group look bad, especially the way with the way their coaches talked about them all spring. The second half is going to be super interesting, though. I mean, we, we talked about the young running backs and receiver group and all that, but, you know, it's extended – full speed action for the two young quarterbacks too with uh yeah with, with yeah. smothers and harburg i mean that's like i mean i think that's what a lot of people will have their eye on is frost yeah. Fro frost talked yesterday frost has been really complimentary of logan smothers the whole way and in the pockets where we've seen him there's times where he looks fine and there's times where the the ball just doesn't come out of his hand with a whole lot of you know smoke as they call it or it wobbles or whatever and so he's a young guy frost has talked about the sort of extensive um, mechanical work that he's been doing with uh, Mario Verduzco basically since he got to campus a little over a year ago, obviously largely interrupted last spring and summer because of the pandemic. But the, the thing that is interesting is Frost said, you know, when he doesn't think about it, it's what it looks like, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert, but when you watch Smothers in that open practice, there was times where it looked like he was thinking about his feet or he was trying to be very mechanically sound. And it just, you kind of get bogged down in that. And, and, but there were other times where he got in kind of a good rhythm. So one of the things I'm interested in, and it doesn't like, it doesn't have that much bearing on whether he ends up being the number two this fall or not, but I'm just sort of interested to see what it looks like if he gets in a good rhythm, leads a long drive in the second half or, or same with Harburg, you know, you know, can you make a big play? Can you, play fast, all that sort of stuff. That, that's what, that's the challenge for those guys. And it's going to be um, interesting to just sort of see what that looks like over a little bit more of like a 
game flow situation than, than, than we've seen so far with either of those guys. Breakout star, Matt Masker, 23 for 27 for 372 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. So we're just throwing out like ridiculous field. numbers for people. Uh, yeah, half of it to Baron Miles Jr. Half of it to Baron Miles Jr. Yeah, we're talking about Matt Masker like he's Phillip Rivers on Sunday. Oh, it's going to um, be amazing. Now, I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, kind of a hidden part of the last spring game we saw, and I talked to you guys about this the other day, that I – I thought it was fascinating and I didn't know what to think of it, but it's interesting. It's interesting in retrospect in 2019, I was really jacked up. Well, everybody was to see what Adrian looked like. And he didn't look that good in that spring game. I mean, I, I, I would say if you went back, I bet the stats weren't very good. And if you watched it, you'd say, wow, yeah, he didn't, that wasn't a very, he just didn't, you know, he was coming off a huge 18 season. You thought, well, this is going to look interesting. It really didn't look good. It didn't look particularly good at all. And all by way of saying there are, you can take things out of this thing about, sure, yeah. about individual players for sure. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder how much you can take out of, out of it in a team sense because they're, you know, they're playing each other, but um, I think with individuals, you can, you can take good and bad out of it. Well, and, and a lot of the, the stuff you take out of it, you don't realize until the season starts, right? Like you mentioned Adrian uh, a few years ago. and Like, yeah, yeah, he didn't look good. And then the season started and he still didn't look good. So you go, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. So yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying and I agree with you. And I, I think you're right that we'll probably see some stuff that we can take out of this, but we won't have a lot of real, you know, concrete. Context. Yeah, we won't have a lot of context until, you know, they're playing Illinois at the end of August. Right. That's right. So who knows? I mean, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Seth. I think we'll see some stuff, whether we know it or not Saturday that, that when next fall rolls around, we'll go, Oh yeah. Remember, remember May 1st when, when so-and-so did this, I think you're exactly right. And th- th- there's some too, there's some of the breadcrumb type, you know, stuff that you're looking for too, especially with guys that have been talked a lot about this spring, like Oliver Martin's a good example you know, guys were and coaches and, and his teammates were really high, really complimentary early in spring about Oliver Martin. You're like, whoa, you know, 40 inch vert frost said the first day of spring ball, 40 inch vertical best on the team. He's a great athlete. You know, Wyatt Lever said he hasn't didn't lose a one. didn't couldn't remember him losing a one on one all spring. And then you go out there and watch him in an open practice and he's he's running by guys. And, it, it, you know, he looks he looks the part. And so you sort of like are stacking on that too right I mean that's sort of how the running back narrative came to be what it's been so far this spring it's like you know that a couple guys were out that that 30 minutes of open practice that we saw then the step injury gets reported then most of those guys or a different set of those guys but most of them are out again during the open practice and so you're sort of like you're sort of just building and you want to be careful not to make, you know, declarative statements when you just see 30 minutes, one day, one practice a couple weeks later and a spring game a couple weeks later. But there's also like, it's obviously a lot smaller than the coaches have, but you have this sort of like body of evidence that builds too. So it's just sort of like the next step in that. Like if Omar Manning goes out there and makes a bunch of contested catches again on Saturday, like he did in the, in the open practice, you sort of start to like, you have one more day worth of evidence to say this must be sort of like what it's like most of the time. Yeah. Him. And if a guy who you thought looked really good um, is, uh, 
you know, doesn't show it on Saturday during the spring game, you're kind of like, huh, I wonder what happened there. If it was just an off day or maybe we saw something out of the norm before that, you know, so you just sort of like, it's what you know and what you don't know. If a guy who I noticed is in Sipple's um, guide to the defense, which is going up on the Journal Stars website, it's probably already up, um, you know, like Blaze Gunnerson. There's a guy who wasn't, he, he was a freshman last year at a position that's hard to play at a young age outside linebacker and you dealt with injury stuff, like there's a guy where if he flashes on Saturday, you're like, oh, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what a healthy summer will do for that guy going into uh-huh. the fall. You know, so you just sort of like, it's like you say, Sipple, you're not going to take any big sweeping conclusions out about the program maybe, but you do, it's, a, it's another sort of interesting data set individually. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, um, maybe, well, this is, I might anger some people here. Do um, it. Do it. This is I a have podcast. two questions. Yeah. It could anger some people in Nebraska. Where, where I don't know where UTAN is. It's uh it's north, north east north here. Kind of it's kind of just west of Omaha. Okay. West yeah. of Omaha? Yeah, like just west. Well, everything's west of Omaha, I guess. But yeah. Here, I'll, let's pull up the Google Maps. I'm pretty sure it's it's just west of Omaha. Right? Like north, and, northwest, uh, northwest. And why? And here's a question for you guys: Why am I asking about UTAN? I I know why you're asking about UTAN. Why am I, yeah. Baz? Because you want to talk about Mr. Colton Feast. Uh, UTAN <laughs> is on. Um, UTAN is straight west of Omaha on Highway 92. It's between Mead and Omaha. Good job. About halfway about halfway between Wahoo and Omaha. Why do I not know where UTAN is? Don't well, answer. I've never been there. Yeah. Okay. Col- now, why do we bring up Colton Feast, Bass? Because Tony Tuioti brought up Colton Feast yesterday and said he was feasting on the opposing offense. Uh, he did not say those words, but <laughs> it would have been a lot cooler if he like it would have been awesome if he would have said he's like like if Tony Tuioti would have gone yeah he's feasting on the and then like waited for like a laugh like a dad telling a dad joke but he didn't do that. No, he. Uh, he said he's just a guy that's that's taking advantage of his reps. Like he he didn't necessarily have a ton of opportunities, and and it's kind of similar to Blaze Gunnerson. It's like it, he's playing a position that's really hard to play when you're a young guy. It's hard to play when you're an old guy uh, on the defensive line. And he he's a guy that was a star at UTAN. You know, six was a dominant dominant at his level class C two helped him win a state title. Okay. Came to Nebraska. You know, 6'2", 280 on the defensive line, and is just he's taking advantage of his reps and maybe hasn't gotten a ton of them compared to some of those other guys. But the reps he's gotten, he's been really good, is what Tuyoti said. And, and the word Tuyoti said was trust. He's earned my trust to give him more reps and give him more playing time going forward. And he was brought up unprompted yesterday. Tony Tuyoti brought him up unprompted. He was asked about you know who might top be, six, yeah, who who would be in his top six, who would be among those guys, and and. Colton Feast was a guy that, that he mentioned because of the way he, he took advantage of his reps. And he said he's got one speed, goes 100% all the time, which any coach is going to love. So, yeah, you're kind of looking at a guy, maybe kind of like the next Ben Stilley, uh, if you want a comparison, you know, a, a kid from local school here, smaller school who's, who's taking advantage of his opportunity. And now it looks like he's going to get a chance to, to run with it this spring and into the fall. Yeah. I mean, top six. I mean, he talked about him. I, I read the quotes that you supplied us. It sounds like Colton Feast is in the top six defensive linemen. Now, if you look at it, there's probably more like seven. Um, yeah. But but that's well, interesting in itself, you know. 
Yeah. And the, and the word to Yodi said, again, he said, there's, I have six that I trust. So, and again, he said he trusts Colton Fee. So you have to assume by that, that he's in that six that he's talking about. What else is on your mind, Parker? I was just thinking about Feast as one of those guys that's sort of like you wouldn't have, wasn't it? Well, there's always every spring there's guys that you don't expect to drive the conversation when, when spring ball starts. And then I think a lot of fans naturally have these questions about like, oh, is this just narrative or is there legs to it? And, and those conversations are a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that the coaching staff really likes Baron Miles Jr., who you, who you referenced earlier. Now, like, is he going to play 20 snaps a game? Like, I, probably not, uh, unless they have real injury issues. But he could be a special teams guy. He made the travel roster last year. So, again, you sort of, like, you're just kind of putting the pieces together. Similar with Colton Feast, similar with Matt Sichterman at right guard, which that'll be one of the interesting things to watch this weekend is sort of Sichterman and Brant Banks and the – you know, in the competition uh, for, for the right guard job. The only job, as we understand it, that's open on the offensive line at this point. Um, and so there, there's this list of guys, right? Colton Feast, um, Matt Sichterman, uh, Jacques Yance. These are the, sort of like the guys who have really come into focus in terms of guys who we don't know any of them are going to be starters or major contributors um, in the fall, but are guys who are on the radar now that maybe weren't five weeks ago. And that's sort of, you know, that that's, that's one of the things that's, that's useful about spring ball, not only for the coaching staff to give those types of guys their opportunities. And then, you know, the world sort of learns about them as well as, as, as spring ball goes on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, we could talk all day about this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of interesting I mean, there's like I think of a guy like Quentin Newsom who looks like he's going to lock down. I think you guys would agree. I'd say Newsom is has taken a pretty sizable lead for the starting quarterback corner cornerback job opposite Taylor Britt, um, which is a development. And yep. and I I've I've heard and seen enough of Newsom that I am starting to refer to him as a rising star. I, I like the confidence with which he plays. Um, he, I like his size. He's 6'2", 180. Um, he he's a, he's a, he he kind of has that corner uh, brashness about him. Um, and like I said, I mean, he he I think he's pulled away from some pretty good corners too. Um, so um, that's a guy. That's definitely a guy to watch, in my opinion. And with him, about, he's, he's a guy too. That he's a guy too. That. Um, just briefly, Baz, you know, he played, he was one of the only guys in that 19 class that didn't redshirt. You know, he was a guy that Travis Fisher trusted right away. He didn't play a ton on defense, but he did play some at corner in nickel and dime uh, packages as a true freshman in 2019. And then he, um, and then he was on special teams right away. So, and he probably, you know, he might've been more of a factor. He, he, he broke his arm or his hand or something last summer. Um, and was limited a little bit until not long before the season had, he was playing okay. with, he, remember he had a cast. Yeah. Um, I think as they got going last year. So he was just slowed a little bit by that. Otherwise he might've been even more of a factor um, in that cornerback picture er, earlier in camp or in the season before last year too. 
Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I was just gonna, I was gonna go in a different direction if, if we're looking for guys that are interesting, and and you guys might laugh at this one, but Daniel Cherney, what's he gonna look like? Yeah, you know, will, will will he kick? Uh, first of all, you know, and mm-hmm. we we've we've beaten the horse on special teams for years now, and rightfully so with with the disaster that it's been. But w- what if he goes out there and either a is bombing everything seventy yards down the field, or or b is is shanking everything twenty five yards down the field? You know, I think there's a lot to to look at there. And we talk about you know guys that you watch in the spring, and maybe it's a harbinger for what's coming in the fall. That could be a guy that that's in that position because th- th- you don't bring a guy all the way from Australia unless you think <laughs> unless you think he's going to play. You don't put the resources and the time into that to, unless you think he's going to do it. So I'm kind of interested to watch him just to see what he looks like. What kind of he's a big dude. He's like six four, two twenty or something like yeah, that. Like he's, he's big. A big. He's a big dude back there, and he's an athlete. You know, so what's he going to look like? And I'm if he goes out there and he has a good day. Maybe that gives you a hint that, you know, maybe special teams are, are moving in the right direction. Obviously, that's a small part of special teams, but maybe that gives you a little bit of, of comfort as you, as you head into the offseason. That might be a guy, too, though, Baz, that that might be a guy where you say, OK, give him a shot. I mean, this is I don't I can't believe well, he's never punted in front of 30,000. Yeah. Uh, so that might be a guy who's a little <laughs> now he's older. He's in his 20s, but, but he might be a little freaked out by the scene. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. That no, that's a definitely Daniel Cherney is, is. I mean, you're looking at they want him to be the starting punter. They scholarship the punter. I mean, that they you don't put a scholarship on on a punter unless you think he's the guy. Well, and um, what did we hear? You know, earlier in the spring, like he's still ba- basically learning what football is. You know, and we kind of yeah. laughed a couple of weeks ago, but came out and didn't know offense from defense, didn't know 10 yards for a first down, does, didn't really understand that he's not supposed to run down the field and try and lay a lick on somebody after he punts it. So, yeah, you mentioned what what's he going to think walking out to a, a stadium that even though it's half full, it's still going to be like nothing he's ever seen. So, and it's going to be half of what he sees in the fall, basically. So, yeah, I think that's – it's it's kind of a sneaky, interesting part of this whole thing, I think, is that how he looks, how the special teams just look overall. P. Yeah, I'm with you. 20 to 30 mile an hour winds out of the south southwest tomorrow. So or on uh, Saturday. So they're gonna have Daniel Turney putting one direction on Saturday. Yep. yep. <laughs> He's gonna be bombing 70 yarders with the wind at his back. Turney kicked another one into the stands. He's incredible. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else? What else? We covered the well, injuries. Um, we're looking we don't we didn't talk much about number two. Um I think that will look good to people, but you know, he's been here for seven years, so everybody knows that well that's that's still interesting right like he he kind of needs to look good you know Uh like he does he can't really afford to not look good and you mentioned it the way he looked a couple years ago sip and from all accounts he's been great he's been here forever and had a strong finish to the year last year but don't go out and throw four interceptions on Saturday Ah. ah, with no ah. pass rush (laughs) <laughs> with no pass rush or like fumble it in a thud drill, like just drop the ball when you're running down the field. Oh, you know, please no. Oh, that's what I'm like. Don't do that. Stuff. Right, like, right. you know, just go out and play clean and be solid. And, and you hope it's une- as uneventful as possible for Adrian Martinez. You just, yep. you want boring out of Adrian Martinez and you take that into the offseason. Boring in 80% would look pretty good. Boring in um, 80% with like four or five or six touchdowns in, in a show drill, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, what I guess the last thing maybe about the game itself uh, to touch on is talking about the quarterback of the 
the present. And there's, you know, there's, there's, it's possible that a couple of the quarterbacks of the future not only are playing in Smothers and Harburg, but also coming to the game on the recruiting front too. There's a bunch of guys. I think we talked about it some last week, so we don't need to spend too much time on this. But um, there's at least, I mean, we're talking about, I got, I've got 16 guys, I think, confirmed from the 2022 and 2023 class, just among guys that have Nebraska scholarship offers already um, that are going to be in town, even though it's a totally unofficial deal. I mean, they can't be on the field. They can't be hosted by the school. They're just here on their own. Uh, but MJ Morris in the 2022 class is a quarterback from Atlanta. And then Reese Mooney from Louisiana is in the 2023 class. Both those guys um, are going to be in town just on their own dime, on their own volition. MJ Morris, you know, the 2022 class is, is a unique one because of the pandemic and all that, obviously. But um, MJ Morris is in sort of an interesting situation. He told me, um, oh, maybe a few weeks ago, early April or late March, that he wanted to make his decision in May. So that's coming up, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. Um, Florida State was thought to be a, a pretty serious contender for, for him, and they just took a second quarterback in their class yesterday. So um, they're done recruiting quarterbacks for the, for the class. And then NC State's another one to keep an eye on. But it's going to be interesting with MJ Morris. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be on campus this weekend and, and wants to make a decision in the next few weeks. Uh, so that's definitely one to watch um, for the 22 class. And then Reese Mooney, we've talked about and, and written about, Grew up, you know, a Nebraska fan. His dad grew up a diehard Nebraska fan in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They live in Louisiana now. Um, sort of a funny story, they, how they found him. They, um, Mario Verdusco was in – he was down there recruiting another guy, Ty Keys, um, in last year's class. And, of course, they ended up taking Harburg. But um, Ty Keys' head coach is, is friends with Reese Mooney's dad and um, apparently told – Produsco, like, hey, there's a young guy, you know, you got, you got to see this. And they watched like whatever, 20 or 30 minutes of, of him. And they're like, yep. And they, so they offered him. And then it turned out that his dad's like a huge Nebraska fan who hasn't missed a game on TV in 26 years. So. And they're from yeah. Louisiana. They, they're in Louisiana now. Yeah. Um, Mooney's dad grew up in Mississippi. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Clark wrote Clark, our boss, Clark Rell, the sports editor at the journal star wrote a story about a quick little thing about Reese Mooney's dad, Teddy, and his wife. Like there's this photo, we have this photo of him in the paper outside Memorial Stadium in 2012 about, and they were actually playing Southern Miss that day, but it was like, Teddy Mooney hasn't missed a game in 15 years or whatever it was at that point. And now nine years later, his kid's uh, the only quarterback in the country that Nebraska is recruiting for the 2023 class. So it's kind of a crazy story on that one. Yeah, it is. That's, that's really crazy. Um, but, but recruiting, so people understand, is really going to heat up. I mean, you're going to be busy in May and June. Well, we all are to a certain extent, mainly you guys, because I don't do a whole lot anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and clip that. I don't do a whole lot anymore. We'll Look at Parker, just straight face. I was joking around. Hey, he's, there is one other. He's like pitching his leg right now to keep from laughing. That's what Parker There's <laughs> one other topic that we didn't – You met, Baz mentioned it at the outset. I – well, there's two things. There's two things. Wait a second now. There's two Wait a second things. now. Wait yeah, second. there's two things that I thought yesterday. One, Frost said something pretty interesting, and everybody, it kind of, the media, kind of glossed over it in their reports. 
about the um, about the quarterback situation, and he he didn't say they were gonna stick with what they got and not going to portal, but he almost said that. Yeah, and he was and pretty close to it. saying we're not going to the portal for a quarterback. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, yeah, I thought that I thought it was very interesting. Um, I, I sent it to you as a note, and then you decided where it went in the notebook pecking order. <laughs> All right, are we passing wow. the buck right now? Is that wow. what's going on? Wow. I could have told you. I could have instructed you lead the notebook with it. So I, I did not do that. It was interesting, though. Um, and and it would be, I thought, just the way that Frost talked about the young quarterbacks yesterday, sort of saying, like, they're not all – it's 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 coming. They've made progress, both of them. Um, it's obviously they got a long way to go. But, you know, he, he was talking about Smothers, and he's like, yeah, I mean, the mechanical thing, it's not all the way there yet but I trust that it's going to be by the fall. I mean, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big vote of confidence from the head coach. And then to say, we've got two spots left. We haven't decided how we're going to use them, but right now I wouldn't think that quarterback would be at the top of the priority list. I mean, another pretty big vote of confidence. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, the rubber's going to meet the road here in three days or whatever, you know, it's spring balls ending around the country. There's another, wave of guys going into the portal. And so I, it won't be long before we sort of start to get an idea of, of who Nebraska is looking at in the transfer market. Now they've what done, did, it's been pretty ahead. quiet. They, they've managed that, that they're sort of portal recruiting. I mean, to raise Samari to the only guy I can really think of who we sniffed out fully before they committed. I mean, last was that, couple years ago with like kind of I Noah, like that just came out of nowhere. It's like, Oh, they got a receiver from Cal, I guess. Yeah. Like one July day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. So that it's always, it's a little different. Those guys, a lot of times, like they're not, they're not as um, vocal about offers and stuff because they've been through the recruiting process once and once is enough for a lot of people. But, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, they're going to have to make some decisions and, and it's possible. I mean, like, like you said, said, well, we don't quite know what, what the deal with Will Honus is at this point. Obviously we know Fedoni is going to be out until um, mid season at the earliest. Those two are positions where Nebraska's depth is okay um, or pretty good, but you just don't know exactly what they might be thinking about where they need help. Um, and then the, the full health picture coming out of Saturday will play a role in that too. I mean, they've, they've been confident about Marquis step coming back this summer, but feet are tricky. You know, if there's doubt about that or, you know, you'll know quickly if they really feel that way or not. Cause if they offer a running back in the portal, you're going to say, Oh, well. Yeah. Which leads me to the other thing I wanted to bring up. Um, and this can be the last thing, but I, I, and I, I talked to a couple people in the program about this, what Frost said yesterday, and they weren't, it's not a real comfortable topic over there that Frost mentioned they had 43 guys at one time or another on the injury list this spring, 43. Now that doesn't mean there are 43 guys not practicing, right. but that was with some people in the program, they felt a little uneasy about that number. 43? Well, yeah, so it's not over 35% of your roster, yeah. Right. Now, that again, it doesn't mean there are 43 guys standing watching, but they're on the injury report. And you can bet there were 25 watching probably. 
which is a big number. And the day in the day that we were there, it was a Saturday. What was it? Two weeks ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I was a little uncomfortable with how many guys were watching that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of practices over there in a the quarter century, and I didn't. I I can't remember too many where were that many guys watching. Um. So I, that's something to think about. It's not anything. You know, it's. I wouldn't make too big a deal of it. I mean, we're in an hour into a podcast, but it's just something to think about. Well, and you've got all summer to heal up and and it looks like fall practices next fall are going to be much less physical per NCAA rule, just with the amount of contact that's going to be even allowed, you know, so that's going to be part of it too. So, you know, it's go ahead. ahead, No, you go go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. No, you go ahead. (laughs) Here's the thing. An old guy, like, I don't like mixed messages. I mean, we hear, like, you'll hear Dawson come out, or I just forget I said a name. Any coach come out at the start of spring and say, this is, this is big spring. Every practice is important. Every practice is important for the guys. They're battling for jobs. We're trying to get this thing going. And then at the end of spring, you hear that, they're, that they had as many as 43 guys watching at times, or, you know, 43 guys on the injury report. So, I don't know. That's that's the sort of thing that kind of causes some confusion sometimes. I think. Okay. No, it's not. Maybe, or maybe you know, it's well, just no, no. I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's there's a people make of of spring. You can make spring anything you want. You know, like it's a critical time for development. Oh, it's not that big of a deal if a running back right. misses a couple practices in spring. Like, oh, it's just the spring game, but. Maybe a quarterback doesn't look good in the spring game. You, you know, it's always – it's you don't know exactly how to grade everything that happens. Like, it's like I, I made this point. Like, people have asked me a lot this spring, how concerned should we be about the running back situation? I don't know. It's hard to say. But part of the reason why that feels different than, like, Ben Stilley being out is because you know what Ben Stilley is as a player. Like, you, you know you know, you know what he's going to give you, you know, what upside might be left there. You know, he's a solid player. He's not Randy Gregory, but he, he knows what he's doing. He played his best ball of his career down the stretch. Like he's a known commodity. Whereas in the running back room, you don't know what you have. If it would have been Mohammed Ibrahim that had missed all of spring, the Minnesota running back, you wouldn't worry so much because you no. know what he is. You, you know what you're going to get from him when the lights come on in the fall. But part of the thing about some of the guys who have missed time for Nebraska this spring that's concerning is it's guys that are trying to win jobs and, and don't have them locked up. Like you worry less about Jojo Doman not playing on Saturday. than you worry about Marquis step missing essentially all of spring ball. When we went into spring ball saying this is probably their guy, mm-hmm. but you don't know that. So that's where, I mean, that's where the, I think you get to the concern, the concern level elevates a little bit for those guys that missed a lot of time and don't, they're not the returning 60 or seniors, you know? So it's, it's hard to know exactly what to make of that, you know, but it's, uh, it definitely, it doesn't help. That's for sure. When you have a lot of guys on the injury. Bass, bass, baseball, baseball. Baseball. Speaking of, you know, it's a big weekend kids uh around lincoln america um huskers are back home for three games against Rutgers, and you think ah it's Rutgers, not a big deal no this is a huge series Rutgers is much 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 improved um i think i saw the number today 
they've won nine road games this year in the Big Ten. And in all their previous years in the Big Ten combined, they'd won 11 road games. Um, vastly improved. This is kind of the start of the, the real portion of Nebraska's schedule when it gets a lot tougher. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, you play Rutgers for three this weekend. Next weekend, you go to Piscataway, play Rutgers twice more and play Indiana twice. You know, you still got Ohio State. You still got more games against the Hoosiers. You got that series against Michigan at the end of the year. It's, it's going to start getting real for Nebraska. And they come into this thing ranked. And they come into this thing ranked because they took the series from Michigan State. But that was basically a spectacular play from Jackson Hallmark away from Nebraska being one and two on that weekend and not being ranked and coming in this weekend going, Oh my God, what's, what's wrong with Nebraska baseball right now? They didn't play well last weekend. So the, you're going to see, you know, 6,100 fans are allowed to come in now about 75% capacity, beautiful weather forecast as everybody's been talking about the, there's going to be some people there to, to see what this team's about that, that haven't seen them in person all year. So this is a, a chance for Nebraska to, to kind of recapture momentum a little bit to, to get some good feelings before they go back on the road and, and play Rutgers twice more in Indiana, like I said. And you're doing it against a quality opponent. And Nebraska's at 20 and seven. I think they probably need to get to 30 wins minimum to feel pretty good about getting an NCAA bid. Um, forget winning the conference. I, I think that's the number you look at. Not that they're looking at a number over there because that's not what they focus on, but they've got some work to do yet. They, you're, you've played the bottom, basically the bottom five teams in the standings so far. So you, you have the top half left, essentially, and it's the last month of the season. So this is a big weekend for Nebraska to kind of get it back on track after not playing great last weekend. And it'll be interesting to see with how many people show up and, and how this team's able to play when, when they got a big crowd watching. Interesting, Baz. Listen, listen to what we're saying. This is a big weekend for Nebraska to get back on track. They're in first place in the Big Ten. I know. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I said, that if they lose that game Sunday, the 12-inning game against Michigan State, it's totally different, right? They're, they're not ranked in the top 25. They're probably not projected to host a regional like they are this week. You know, and, and you come out of that weekend going, man, Nebraska didn't play very good, and they lost to a team that's not very good. And instead you look at it and go, well, Nebraska didn't play very good, but they found a way to win too. And maybe that means they're a pretty good team. So it just, I think it tells you the the fine line Nebraska's walking, even though they're, I think they're pretty good and they've shown that, that they're a pretty good team with their record and their play. Man, it's just such a fine line this year when you're playing conference only, when your RPI is just so tenuous week in and week out, when you're playing conference games, <coughs> excuse me. And it just, that's the that's what makes these series pressure packed for Nebraska. You just can't show up and play Rutgers and think, ah, we win a couple, we'll be fine. Like you've got to be looking to, you're going to be favored in all three of those games. You know, you're going to be favored in all three of the games you play against Northwestern in a couple of weeks. These are games you you need to win man, before you get into the real meat of the of what's left. So yeah, we're we're saying, well, yeah, they're in first place and, and this, that, and the other thing, but it's going to be hard to stay there, and it's going to be hard to keep that thing moving in the right direction if you're going out and you're losing a couple to Rutgers and, and your momentum's kind of kind of stalled here a little bit so yeah it's a it's a big weekend for Nebraska as they all are now coming down the stretch one final football thought you mentioned a fine line fine line uh with the baseball team football's got a fine line too I mean you know Moose is talking about wanting that team to win eight or nine games what's a fine there's gonna be a it's a really fine line 
with Nebraska. Now think about this as it applies to the quarterback situation. Think about this while you're watching the spring game. It's a fine line with Adrian Martinez as your starting quarterback. What's that line like if he's not your starting quarterback? Yeah. And here um, comes Iowa or Wisconsin or whoever. It may exactly. Be. Exactly. It's a, it's a fine line with number two. Um, so that's just something to think about as you're watching on Saturday. <coughs> I got, I got one question for you before we go, Sipple. Yeah. When, when we yes. go over to the groundbreaking for the new facility tomorrow, <laughs> yes. are, are you going to get to drive the bulldozer or anything? Like, are they going <laughs> to, do you get yeah, to you take a, a ceremonial chunk, chunk of sod out of the infield? Yeah. Like, are you going to be able to, do you get to take a scoop out with the backhoe or? Oh my God. That'd be or are you just going to be a spectator on that one? I just, I like hope they, they get over there. They've got like a custom paint job on the backhoe with Sipple's name on it. <laughs> do we, yeah. Clark would appreciate that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I wonder if um, we will be given hard hats. That would Let's be cool. So. Let's yeah. hope so. Let's hope we get to wear a hard hat. I'd like to wear a, long a time, yellow. Long time coming on that project, though. A year, a year delay from that was announced. We were over there the Friday before the Ohio State game in September of 2019. Yeah, and it's called a weekend. Game day was in town. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a fairly big weekend. Yeah, the Buckeyes the game were started. in town, <laughs> and then the game yeah. started. The Buckeyes. Well, Nebraska, were in town, I think, had a true. basketball game that weekend too. I can't remember who they played, but they had a big really? game. Or they had a. Oh, they had their Rick Ross Rip. thing that week. That's when Rick Ross oh, yeah. was in town. Oh God, for the beginning of uh, camp. Yeah, the Fred. The beginning of the Fred Hoiberg era. Quite the weekend that turned out to be, and then the game. Justin started. Fields was in town. Justin Fields was in town, and he was very quickly watching from the sideline uh, after Ohio State went to work in the first half uh, in that game. <laughs> um, anything else, guys? That was pretty long. That was an hour almost. No, no. It was like 45 minutes. It might be two or three minutes longer than what we normally have gone. Oh, really? I thought it was a little longer. Well, well, time see. flies when you're having fun, and you're clearly yeah. not having fun. Yeah, and I, yeah, and so. I do apologize to the people of Utah. Um, I should know. I should have known where that. Well, is. Uh, we'll uh, we'll take out an apology ad in the in the Utah newspaper and make sure that the people are appeased. Okay. So. All right, okay. guys. Enjoy the spring game this weekend. Enjoy the baseball games this weekend. We're starting to get back to normal. The weather's beautiful. We'll have a full recap for you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.